Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Can I have you, you look strong, can you move this for me? Just like a little bit in the middle. Thank you. I was going to try and, and, you know, pull a one-armor, but thank you. Is this your first time here? Yes. Welcome. Servant on his first time. We bless you in Jesus' name. Come on. Yeah. Oh, come on, Natalie's brother. Yay. Yeah, you're awesome. I just see like a, um, a banner of stewardness. I feel like you steward things really, really well. Like I see like a pageant banner almost and steward that you steward the word of God, that you steward your family really, really well. So I bless you with that. Um, okay, so I'm talking a lot today. You guys really like me. Um, <laughs> Pastor Chris is on uh, paternity leave. They had their baby. She's so yummy. Oh my gosh. She's so stinking cute. <sighs> we, we've been trying to set up my son Rad with, um, with Lily since, you know, she's been in the belly and pastor Chris told me the other day, he goes, well, what would that look like for today's day and age? Would that mean you would have to pay me with like a Lamborghini and a mansion? Like what's orange County's way of, you know, purchasing my daughter. <laughs> Just kidding guys. We're not weird. Um, <laughs> my visitor's like, yeah, they're odd. They're like arranging marriages. I'm not going there again. And I I, want to just open up the morning. I'm going to have someone really special and incredible share for most of the time. Um, But I wanted to just kind of open up this morning with what we're going to be talking about. Does anybody, I'm just curious, I'm just going to take a little poll. Anyone see on Instagram? Just raise your hand if you saw on Instagram what today is going to be about. Just curious. Okay, five of you. If you don't follow us on Instagram, check us out right there, presence underscore OC. That really wasn't planned, but that was awesome timing. I don't know if those were already up. Presence OC um, on Instagram and Facebook. We actually do utilize this for most of our announcements and things, so jump on there. Um, I want to pray, actually. Jesus, help me. Amen. I, I feel like I've, I've reworded this like opening of the morning 20 different ways. Um, <laughs> typically, that's not my style. I'm just like, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and Jesus going to back it up, you know? But I, I feel like I, just even this morning, I was sitting in Whole Foods because it's a holy place. And um, I was just like, Lord, how do I, how do, I do this? How, how do I open this up? How do I uh, create a safe space, a safe atmosphere for truth to be told? From, from the church pulpit, if you will. A lot of people will ask me, they'll say, Nicole, why do you serve in the local church? And I didn't grow up in the church, but I consider myself a church rat. I love the local church. I love, love, love the local church. And, and one of the reasons in my answer when people ask me, you know, why don't you just go off and start this thing or do this or do that? I always come back to, I feel as if the local church is supposed to be the epicenter for culture. That, that the church is supposed to speak truth and boldness and confidence in the name of the Lord and that it would go out and literally shift culture. That's what I believe. I really believe that God gives people in the church dreams and visions for new patents and in, inventions and different things because we're connected to the king of kings. 
Like, why wouldn't we get dreams and visions of things to start and, and, and ways in which to help people, help God's sons and daughters? I just feel like the church should be the place. It should be the most popular place on the earth, that the local church would be the most powerful place, not because of odd theology, but because of the power of God going out into culture and because it's an equipping place for all of us, that we would be filled up with joy and truth and just go out and share that with people. I mean, 12 disciples changed the world. It's more than 12 of us in the room. So, so that's my answer when people ask, like, why the church? Because I, I believe so much in the local church. I believe so much in the local church. Um, so this morning is geared around why do we talk about the things that we talk about? I read a study, the Barnabas group did a study uh, on hot topics that, I forget how they worded it, but it was something like, you know, why don't more um, evangelical pastors teach on hot topics of the day and you know they, they would do this vote and um, they said because they were scared of how others would respond and that's a real thing it, it, it's a real thing this is why I gotta pray for your pastors we need it all you know it, it's a real thing but I believe that as an as an ordained minister by Jesus Christ that I actually only report to one now I serve under Jesse and Jessica, but I report to Jesus. I don't report to my neighbors and my friends and, and people on social media. And at the end of my life, I report to one. I don't report to you. And so I'm okay with offense. I'm also Enneagram 8, and if you know what that means. Um, and I, I honestly don't have a lot of care in that department, but the, the pastoral side that is there is like, please don't hate people. Just come and, and hang out. Um, so, <laughs> so I say that because I would give you as much, I, I love you. I love the church. I love, I love God's people. Um, but I also want the church to be a place of truth and of boldness. And if we believe in miracle signs and wonders, we believe in the power of God. I think that we also have to believe in the word of God, right? If we are rooted in the word of God, then we stand on a firm foundation, on a solid foundation. And so I am personally not afraid to preach the good news in, in its entirety, um, so this morning, thank you, one person. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so I, I'm not going to, you know, beat around the bush or whatnot. But the, the, the topic of the morning is going to be abortion. I know, I just felt it. Ooh, ooh. Um, and, and I said this a few weeks ago. You know, if, if the church doesn't talk about stuff, culture will. I mean, by the time I... <laughs> Okay, personal story. When I was like 12, maybe, I came home one day, um, and there was a book on my bed, and it was about my body. And my, my dad and my stepmother purchased it and just like laid it on my book, like hopefully she figures something out, I don't know. We never talked about it. But there was a pretty big book with a lot of pictures and things, and um, the problem was I had already learned about my body and about sex by culture. I was 12. I had already learned what culture had to say about my body and about sex already. And so I share that story because if the church would start to preach 
the good news of Jesus Christ to our children in all things, not just what it looks like to go to church on a Sunday morning and how to become a Christian, pretend everything is okay and nothing's wrong and blah, 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 blah. If we would raise up the next generation with a healthy concept of sex, with a healthy concept of marriage, with a healthy concept of what it looks like to, to treat our bodies like a temple, of what it looks like to serve Jesus, then culture would be behind us and we would shift culture with the truth of the good news. And so that's, that's my heart. That's my heart in all of this. Um, yeah, I, this morning is gonna be powerful. So if you're already like, I'm, I'm ready to go. How can I sneak out? Can I pretend to go to the bathroom and then get out the door? You're welcome to go. You're so welcome to go. When, when you're done, you're welcome to go. However, I would highly, highly encourage you, even if it's uncomfortable, to stay. Just to stay. You don't have to show up again. Just stay until the end because I believe that God wants to do something really powerful this morning. I know. I know that he is. I know that he, he will. As I was thinking about how to kick it off, if you will, I was thinking... Man, I could share all this information that I have about, you know, scientific babies growing in utero and fetuses and this. And I could argue this way and I could argue how babies feel things. And I could, I could argue against how actually abortions aren't, you know, better for a, a, a mom who's in danger than just delivering the baby. I could argue this way and that way and ABC. And then I felt the Lord say, why don't you just read from my word? Because that was my original intent was, God, I just want people to read your word. I just want people to read your word. And I want them to believe it. And I have this struggle, confession, I have this struggle with Christians. And I'm going to say it, and you guys can do whatever you do with it. I have a struggle with Christians who claim to believe the word of God and who claim to follow Christ and who are okay with abortions. I have a problem. And, and I don't stand before you having perfected anything or in a, in a holiness. I, I hope to walk closer to God every day. But, but when I was in high school, I was pro-choice. Even probably a couple years into my faith, I was pro-choice. I was having sex outside of marriage. I didn't know who I was. I took the day after pill. I don't know if there was a baby. So I am as guilty as anybody else. But the word of God says that he washes away all sin, that he took care of it on the cross. And the reason I get really vulnerable with you all, I don't know if I've ever told anybody besides my husband, the reason I get vulnerable is because we need vulnerability from this place. We need to say, we're not better than you. I'm no better than anybody else. I, I, I was a murderer too. I was a thief also. But God, but God, God came in and, and, and he resurrected a dead girl. And so because of that, I, I believe that, that the word of God is the one that we have to surrender to. I read something, it said, and this is, uh, most everything I say is extreme, so if you know me, you already know this, but it's a little extreme. It said, you know, the devil doesn't have any problem sending millions of babies to heaven if he can make murderers of mothers and fathers. 
And I like wept. I'm like, ah. Oh. You know, we don't battle against flesh and blood. And I'm not one to make everything hyper spiritual and like, every, it's demonic. They, they made my coffee wrong. They're demonic. Like, I don't do that business. <laughs> Jesse does. He's like, I need a perfect coffee. But I, I share this to say that the devil doesn't care because all those babies get to go to heaven. If he can put shame and regret on us, on people. And, and, and people that are not believers, I do want to say this because I've had interesting, um, my Instagram has become like one of my main ministry platforms. It's hilarious. I'm like, Lord, you're so funny. So many people will send in questions and uh, choice language and um, testimonies. It's really rad. And I go back to, if you do not know Jesus Christ, then an abortion is the best way to go because you're in control of you and you're your God. And it's the most selfish thing you can do and you can control the situation. So of course it makes sense. I get it. My issue is those who claim to be Christians. I'm just going to be real. Those who claim to be believers of the word of God because the word of God says something different. And there's a lot of things that I don't like that God does. There's a lot of things I don't want to do that the word says I need to do. But I am not my God. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I submit and surrender to him. And so it's not easy, all that to say, it's not easy. It's not tied up in a bow. It's not, why doesn't everyone get this? I never want to cast shame. I never want someone to feel unloved. I recently had a girl reach out to me, don't know who she is, follows me on Instagram. She said, um, I, I just found out I'm pregnant, single, I'm gonna be a single mom, and because of your post, I've decided to keep the baby. And I thought, wow. I don't care how many people get mad at me about this. That person has a destiny in a life. And all I did was just share information. It wasn't anything Nicole did. It wasn't because I'm anointed to talk about a certain thing. I just shared information and the word of God. That's all I did. And you can do that. You're as capable to do that. And it's fun. I'm getting to walk with this gal and help support her. And I've never met her. It's amazing. My conviction is on the word of God. This is where, as believers, we have to be so firmly rooted and planted in the word of God. Because if we are not, we will be swayed. We will be tossed, and easily so. Culture is God's creative, so culture is so creative in the way that we see advertisements, in the way that abortion is being named health care. There's nothing health care about it. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. And I want to read just a couple verses to you. Psalm 139 says this, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. Say unformed. It does not say, you created me once I came out of the womb and you knew me after you saw my formed body. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All of my days were written before I came out of my mother. We cannot read that 
and say, you know what? Abortion is okay in this case. We can't. Not as believers. Not we would be going directly against the word of God. I want to read something else. Job 10. Your hand shaped me and made me. Did you not clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones? You gave me life. The word says that he works all things together for good. I know that there are horrendous situations that happen. I got a whole sermon for that bad boy too. I'm not going to go into it. But the word says that he works all things together for good. He works all things. We do not know how he's going to work all things, but it says he works all things together for good. And then I read this verse, Deuteronomy 24. It says, fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. Do you know what that says to me? No matter the situation or circumstance, there is a life and a destiny, and there is a book written. Do not put to death a child because of a situation as horrible as it may be. I have a daughter, so I think about it. And I think, oh, if I put myself in these shoes, oh my gosh, I could totally see how they feel this way. And that's got to be horrendous. And I've had friends. I went to high school with a guy who, who was um, developed out of an, an incest relationship. Stephen, the most joyful, happy person I think I've ever met. I have relationship with people who came out of rape. And you'll never find a person who came out of rape who said, I wish that my mom would have just killed me. You never, you never will. I haven't yet. I'm going to be done in like two minutes and I'm going to bring somebody up. Let's see if there's anything else. So many things I could share. I'm going to put a lot of this on a podcast and then I'll share it with you guys. Um, And there's obviously a lot of information out there. You don't need my opinion. Um, I just feel called to to preach the word of God and the truth of it and and to tell believers it's okay if you're uncomfortable. It's okay. There's a lot of things God does. I'm like, really, Lord, that way? Okay. I don't understand that. I don't know that I would have agreed with that. But wow, I really see how you worked it for good. And so one of the things I believe God's doing in our, in just in the culture right now, I believe that he is using um, transparency to lead to repentance. This is why I'm a big believer in social media. This is why I go after it as much as I can, social media, because I believe that God wants to use transparency, your stories, your testimonies, your life as the light of the world to bring repentance to people. Because who knows, we can relate to a story a lot faster than even me up here saying, don't do this, don't do that, here's the way. We we relate on a different level to stories, to real life. And and, and there was, this is the most disgusting thing I've seen. All these celebrities came out with, shout my abortion, celebrating it. I just, Anyways, I'm like, I want to shout the redemptive story of Jesus from those who have had abortions. I want to break off shame. You know, anytime that you're carrying shame or regret or pain, it's a tact of the enemy. You're not meant to have that. You're not supposed to carry that. That's not for you. God took care of that. But the devil comes in to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes in to lie to you, to say, well, you did that one thing when you were 14, and it's like unforgivable, and God's forgotten about you. It's just lies. And so, so this morning, 
I'm going to be done. This morning, I'm going to have um, one of our very own. She's an amazing leader in our community. She's a mom. She's carrying life right now. And, and I just asked her, would you be bold and would you step out and would you share your story? And again, we might go late today, and I'm okay. If you need to go and get lunch or whatnot, you go. Um, but again, I encourage you to stay as long as you can. But I'm going to have um, Natalie come on up. Let's give her a hand. Come on. She, she's going she's gonna to share. And every place that she shares, people get healed. They get reconciled to the Father. And they come to know the love of the Lord so much deeper. And so even if you're sitting in this room and you've never personally been connected to an abortion or had an abortion, I believe that God still wants to do something. During the service, while she's sharing, we're going to have, oh, look, your Instagram. Follow her on Instagram. And we're, <laughs> we're going to have a phone number up on the screen. And if you have a question, like, whoa, she said something, but I have a question about how to say this, or I have a question about fill in the blank, send in your questions. If we don't get a chance to answer them all, um, Natalie's actually going to be on my podcast, and we will answer those questions there. Um, but, but yeah, it'll be up, and then you can just text in. We can't see who you are, so don't feel weird. I don't care. Anyways, you can ask whatever question. I'm not offended. Um, and then we'll, we'll sort through those at the end, maybe have you answer a couple, and then the other ones we'll, we'll answer on the podcast. Come on. Good morning, family. <laughs> okay, I'm going to shout my redemption story all morning because I'm carrying life. <laughs> I've got a little baby boy inside this belly, and I get to share with you um, some pretty vulnerable, raw innermost parts of me. So be gentle, be kind. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm so honored to be up here. I used to tell God, like, I'll go to Africa. I will, like, give all my money to anybody. I'll live on the streets. Like, I'll, I'll do whatever for you, but I won't share about my past. <laughs> and here I am. So <laughs> I just love it. Okay, so I'm so glad Nicole kind of segued us into story time. I used to be a preschool teacher, and I used to have kids circle around me as I would sit in a chair, and I would read story time to them. And so let's just like put on our kid hats and let's just jump into story time together. Um, I want to show you guys, uh, I want to educate you on, on the processes that I've been through throughout my 28 years of life. Um, I want to show you like who I've been, the hats I've worn, what led me to an abortion, what led me after an abortion, and how I am who I am today. So I brought some fun hat displays. I just wanted to show you all a little bit of, of me. <laughs> okay, so this is <laughs> the geeky, nerdy, innocent Natalie. I, <laughs> I used to go to school wearing visors, no joke, like the geeky looking visors, <laughs> kind of like this, um, but worse because the, the brims were a lot wider. Um, I grew up extremely naive and innocent, and I love that about myself. I've actually been restored to that innocence still to this day, but um, I used to be really goofy. I had no clue if like a sex joke was made, pff, went right over my head, like I had no idea what any of those things were like, you know? Um, just to give you a fun story, my family and I were on vacation one day, and um, we were driving up to Northern California to go see my brother, 
and I was trying to tell the family a story. And I, oh, okay, I, I want to make sure not to mess it up. But I was trying to tell them a story about some kind of a version of a fun sucker. Like, oh, this is sucking the fun out of my day, you know? And, and I got it all twisted up, and I said, son, effer, if you can imagine that. And I was like, blah, 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 son, effer. And I was like, and I started weeping because in my heart, I was like, I said the F word. <laughs> so that's just, that's just the epitome of my innocence. Like, I could not curse. I could not say anything wrong. Um, it just weighed heavily on my heart. I had no sense of fashion, looked really awkward, wore these kinds of things. And then come middle school, I'm going to leave it right there. Come middle school, I got with the wrong crowd met the wrong people, and I started trying to desperately fit in. You're like, why Hogwarts? Because we meet in a church club. Like, <laughs> We could talk about Harry Potter while we're in church, right? No. <laughs> so I would be the kind of kid that would wear this hat and like act like I know who Harry Potter is, but I can't read the books because my mom won't let me. I can't watch the movies because mom's like, those are from the devil, you know? <laughs> So I'm the kind of kid that's trying to fit in, that's trying to find a new friendship circle, that's trying to like you know, learn how to dance, you know, like learning all that stuff. <laughs> Had no idea who I was, but I just desperately wanted to fit in. Boys started coming into my radar. Um, sneaking out at night started to become a thing I would do. Really strange. So how does this like naive girl <laughs> go from go from you know innocence and crying when cursing to? trying to fit in. Yeah. Okay, so at that point, I started experimenting with my boyfriend, experimenting with sex. I had no good friendship circles, so I was pretty isolated, and I didn't know what, um, I didn't know what I was doing, who I was. So that's middle school, in a nutshell. Then, transitioned into high school, and I started getting some vision for life. I started imagining, like, oh, what would it look like to go to a college? You know, I got a 4.0. I had really great grades. Um, I was on the varsity softball team in high school as a freshman. So I'm like, mm, I'm so good. I'm so cool. <laughs> I was going places. But again, I had a limited friendship circle. I had a limited, um, a, like, relationship with my family. I was pretty withdrawn from them, and I hid behind this idea of being, like, a picture-perfect kind of kid. I had a 4.0. I was really good in high school, and I hid behind that. Still screwing around with my boyfriend, still having sex, like, sneaking out of the house. Not good. So, um, <laughs> okay, so now we're going to get vulnerable. Okay, I was 15 years old, just about to turn 16, and I found out I was pregnant. And I thought, life is over. What am I going to do? Like the amount of fear that crept in, the amount of denial that crept in. I remember thinking, like, who, who could I tell? Like, I can't tell anybody. I'm, I'm Natalie. I'm going to UCLA. You know? um, I, I had this picture-perfect identity I was trying to hide behind. Um, so I found out I was absolutely terrified, and so what I did is I built a really solid wall around those emotions, those really strong emotions of fear and anger and frustration and, and fear, big-time fear. <laughs> it wasn't until my boyfriend's brother told us about an abortion that I actually learned what it was. I had no clue. I remember thinking, what are we going to do? 
but I kept it a secret, and I learned about what abortions were. And I thought, this is a solution to my problem. And so I want to educate you on something that people who don't know God, people who aren't close to God, they have this idea that there's a problem. Pregnancy is a problem. But for me, the problem wasn't even that I was pregnant. The problem was that I had sex outside of marriage, right? Because the innocent me is like, I'm not supposed to do that. Whoops. I'm not supposed to do that. So an abortion was a solution to that problem, not even to the problem of being pregnant. Being, uh, being pregnant, I'm going off the notes. I'm going off script. Being pregnant wasn't even on my, it didn't even really like register. I think I was so numb to it and so afraid that I just knew I had this problem and I needed to fix it. So crazy story. I went to school one day. I was in, I want to say I was in 10th grade, 9th or 10th grade. I went to school one day. Mom dropped me off. I go to class. And then I, you know, I ditched my first class, and then I'm picked up by my boyfriend's brother, and we drive to Planned Parenthood. And then we go through the procedure. And it was $20, because my dad had really good insurance. And my parents weren't notified. Nobody was notified. There was no kind of like a billing statement that they received at the end of it. There was nothing, because of California confidentiality, confidentiality laws. Right, Tubby? So here I am, like 16 years old and one month, <laughs> baby, in this room getting a procedure done. And actually, I was relieved. Kind of yucky, super relieved. Okay, most people, I don't want to generalize the statement because I've not talked to a ton of people who've had abortions, but in my opinion, most of us don't see things like there's a baby in my belly, like I do now. I'm like, there's life in here, <laughs> you know? It's so exciting. But back then, I was like, there's just this problem I've got to fix. There's this problem I've got to take care of. So I go to school, I get the abortion done, and then I'm dropped off in a park where I know mom's gonna come pick me up, you know, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later. And I remember being dropped off and just like this blanket of dirt just landed on me. And I remember that feeling very specifically, like, man, what happened? How did I get myself here? Like, what? I was going places. But God. Okay. We'll get to the good part in just a second. Okay. So, yeah, back to life as usual. Mom picked me up. She didn't know anything. She didn't know anything about that day. And she still asked, what would you do today? How was your day? How many people did you talk to? Tell me three things about your friends. Because <laughs> that's how our mom is. <laughs> My mom is the queen of asking questions, so. <laughs> um, and I just, I just made it all up. Made it all up. I wouldn't let anybody in. I was so, so afraid. Okay, so let's get to the good part. Let's get to the redemption story. Okay, so that's that. We're going to fast forward about a year and a half later. I don't remember changing too much in between getting the abortion, and then my encounter with God. But about a year and a half had passed. I was at my sister and my brother-in-law's wedding at a church, and there was a bunch of young people about my age that were at that, at that wedding. And they invited me to a, um, to a worship service and to a swing dancing party. They're like, you look young, come to a swing dancing party. And I never, well, I had swing, I had done swing dancing with my sister before, and so 
I remember going there, and for the first time, I had fun, like pure fun, right? Like, oh, this is what, this is what, like, Christians have fun? <laughs> I know, never thought it was possible, right? So I'm going there, having fun. I'm like, this is so cool. And then I go to a, to a worship service later that week, and um, I remember sitting in the back of the church, kind of like, this is all new. You know, I've born and raised in the Christian church, but it was new for me because I was just in a new place. So Holy Spirit just had me turn to Psalm 51, and why don't you guys go there with me because this is where the power comes. Okay, so I turned to Psalm 51, and this is what I read. So just to give you some context, this, um, this psalm is written by David after he did a whole lot of bad stuff. He, um, he slept with Bathsheba, <laughs> and then he got her pregnant, and then he killed her husband to try to cover up for it. So imagine, like, the guilt and the shame that this man felt. Um, this is the psalm that he wrote at that moment. And we'll start at verse 1. It says, God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt. Because your compassion is so great, take away this shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellion my rebellious ways and erase this deep stain on my conscience for I'm so ashamed I feel so much pain and anguish within me I can't get away from the sting of my sin against you Lord everything I did I did right in front of you for you saw it all against you and you above all have I sinned everything you say to me is infallibly true and your judgment conquers me come on Let's jump down to verse 7. It says, purify my conscience. Make this leper clean again. Wash me in your love until I am pure in heart. And satisfy me in your sweetness and my song of joy will return. Down to verse 10. It says, create a clean new heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. Come on. So I read that verse and I just remember thinking like, God, could you do that for me? Like, could you take away the stain of blood on my hands and could you wipe it all away and make me white as snow? Is that even possible? It sounds way too good to be true, but is it possible? And then I go home and I go to bed and I wake up in the morning and it happened. <laughs> all the guilt was gone. All the shame was gone. All the heaviness was gone. And I just remember, oh, yeah, yay, God, come on. I just remember thinking, like, what? <laughs> I woke up like, whoa. <laughs> I, I felt like I could see again, you know, like the color restored to my days and to my life. And here I had this new passion and this new reason and purpose for living. It was because of God and what he could do with me. Oh, my gosh. Like, it just will never lose the, the just the reality of feeling like everything's dark and going into the light. And it was just, oh, it was so good. Okay, come on. Yay. Oh, okay, so that set me on this course of like purity, holiness, fire, innocence. My prayer in that season was like, give me a pure heart, God. You know, and he already did. <laughs> but that was just what I, what I really wanted. It was like, I want that innocence back. And now that all the shame and guilt was gone, I was like, yay, I can start living again. So I left my friendship circle. 
And I just, I started actually having lunch with my teacher who was a Christian, and I would just read the Bible all the time because I was just so hungry for more of God. I think I, I read I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Have you guys heard of that book? I think I highlighted every word in that book. I'm like, yes, yes, no, boys are bad, you know. <laughs> it's like trying to renew my mind by myself. <laughs> I don't know that I agree with all of it now. I'd have to read it again. But it was, it was just what I needed in that season. <laughs> I needed to refocus that guys weren't my focus. God was now. It was so beautiful. Okay. So a couple years goes by, and I end up um, meeting Aaron, my husband. He introduced me to Holy Spirit in a greater way, introduced me to Bethel Church. I go up to Northern California, and I wanted to do two years of ministry school up there. Um, I kind of put a close and an end to my softball career, put an end to my desire to go to college, and I just said, I'm going to pursue God because I'm so, I just, oh, I can't get enough. So I went to Bethel. I did two years there. I didn't struggle with shame or guilt. That stuff was gone. It was a done deal. It was kind of pretty miraculous. Um, But I was still afraid to let people see the real me. I didn't tell anyone about it. Still to this point, none of my family knew. Um, I I was pretty good at keeping it still, like... It's just between you and me. And that's when I made the agreement, I'm not telling people about this. (laughs) And I thought that was okay for a season, and God let it be okay for a season. It was really special. Um, But then after, you know, being in Bethel and just realizing, like, oh, there's this secret that I've been hiding, and, and this lack of vulnerability I've been expressing with my family, who I say I'm really close to. Let's put that to the test. So I want to introduce you guys to, to this topic of vulnerability, like Nicole was mentioning. Have you guys heard of Brene Brown? Show me your hands if you have. Okay. I want to talk about this just for a minute, because had I have known this message, I doubt I would have ever gone through everything I've been through. So for those of you, um, all of you, vulnerability is, you can't not participate in it. We just can't not. (laughs) Okay, so Brene Brown has this book called Daring Greatly. In it, she refers to this thing called an arena, okay? This is is a um, quote that she shares from a, a message, like a speech from Teddy Roosevelt. The quote is, and I kinda cut it a little short, it is not the critic who counts. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, and who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up again, who comes up, sorry, short again and again. So Brene Brown says, vulnerability is not weakness, and the uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure we face every day are not optional. Our only choice is a question of engagement. Our willingness to own and engage with our vulnerability determines the depth of our courage and the clarity of our purpose. The level to which we protect ourselves from being vulnerable is a measure of our fear and disconnection. Ugh. That's my sister, if you didn't know. <laughs> Love her. Um, yeah. She says, we must dare to show up and let ourselves be seen. That is what vulnerability is. There is a fullness of life that we only experience when we're vulnerable. 
Okay, so I sat my family down, and it was the scariest, hardest thing, second hardest thing I've ever had to do. I sat them down on the couch, and I, I don't really know how it went, because <laughs> it's all a blur now, but I told them my story. And it was met with so so much beauty. It was met with tears, lots of tears. Um, Lots of like, oh, I wish I knew. Like, we would have helped. (laughs) And then it was also met with like so much more forgiveness. So much more grace. So much like, we still love you. We know who you are, though you've been through this. Like, this is who you are. And I got to experience what it was like to be fully known and fully loved. Yeah, to see all of your dirt, like all of your dirty laundry hung up and someone say, I still, still love you. Okay. Oh, so good. So about a year later, I'm, I'm dating this gentleman right here. And I'm like, oh, crap, I got to tell him too. <laughs> you know, like we're getting close to talking about engagement. We're, things are getting serious. And I'm like, he has to know. It's not fair for him not to. So my sisters and my mom are like, you're going to do it. You can tell him. You know? <laughs> like, he's going to receive it so well. And I'm like, he's going to leave me. He's going to go find somebody that's pure. You know, he's gonna, he deserves better. All of those thoughts you know, crept in again. Though I didn't feel guilt or shame, I was like, he deserves something more lovely. So... The first hardest thing I've had to do was tell this one. (laughs) And his response was exactly the same as my family's. I still love you. I'm so sorry you went through that. I'm still here. (laughs) Amen. So to be fully known and fully loved by Aaron was another level of healing that my heart so needed. Okay, so I was forgiven by God. All my guilt and shame were gone. I was forgiven and loved by those closest to me. But I still had some questions and some doubts in my heart. I still wondered, like, am I going to have infertility issues? Like, am I going to get punished and not be able to have kids because of this? Could I ever love a child if I do get pregnant one day again? Those questions, they randomly would come to mind. (laughs) So let's fast forward five more years. (laughs) I love how God's healing is just over a lifetime too. I mean, sometimes it's miraculous, but there are layers of our hearts that need healing all throughout our lives. And we go from glory to glory to glory, and we experience new levels of freedom each time we say yes to him and yes to vulnerability. Ah, so good. Okay, so five years later, October 2017. How many of you have heard of Inner Healing Ministry? Okay, how many of you have heard of what encounters with God are? Okay, I just want to give you guys some context because I had a really radical encounter with God, and I've heard of some of these things um, before really believing in Holy Spirit, and they actually, like, creeped me out. So I want to give you some context. I want to give you some Bible verses to make it legal so we all know encounters with God are legal in the Christian world. They are part of our inheritance and something we get to partake in for the sake of wholeness and relationship with Jesus. Okay. Okay, so... 1 John 5.20, (laughs) 
says, and we know that the Son of God has made our understanding come alive so that we can know by experience the one who is true. So thanks to my sister, she taught me that that word for understanding can actually be translated as imagination. Okay, so let me read that again. And we know that the Son of God has made our imagination come alive so that we can know by experience the one who is true. Just to give you also some context, encounters with God can look like when I read the Bible and all my shame and guilt were gone immediately. That's an encounter with God, right? When you read the Bible and something just speaks to you and you're like, oh, that's, that's alive, that's relevant, that's an encounter. When you're worshiping God like we did this morning and you're feeling his presence, that's an encounter with God. Okay, when you are in intimacy with a friend and you are, you know, sharing your hearts to one another, that's encountering God through each other. There's so many ways to encounter him, songs, books, all of it. And then the one, the one thing I really want to talk about is encountering him through our imagination, because that's what I went through. So like that verse, let me give you a couple others. Psalms 115.3 says, our God is in heaven, and he does what he wishes. <laughs> so he can do whatever he wants. We can't argue with that. <laughs> if he wants to take me on an encounter with my imagination, that's his idea, and I will say yes. And then another verse, Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his call. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us. So when we say yes to God, how many know we're made new creations? Part of that means our imaginations are made new. They're sanctified. Now they are territory for him to come encounter us by, okay? <laughs> All right. And then the last verse I want to give you guys is um, Matthew seven twenty. It says, look at the obvious fruit of their lives and ministries, and then you'll know whether they are true or false. So we like to tell whether something's authentic, an encounter with God or a visitation or a prophetic word, things like that. They're authentic if the fruit is love life, joy, peace, those kinds of things. That's how we know it's an authentic encounter, okay? If I have an encounter with God and I'm now terrified of my future, it's not God. <laughs> not God, okay. All right, so let me jump into my encounter. I'm gonna put on my new hat because this marked a whole new season. This is my mama bear. Mama bear hat. I didn't get to tighten it. I have the smallest head. Can you tighten that for me? <laughs> Thanks, hon. Okay, so... I'm October 2017, I, am, um, I drove down to Temecula where my sister and my family lives. My sister is overseeing, kind of co-leading a ministry called Freedom Prayer. And in this meeting, you know, people sign up to go if they want to receive healing for certain things that they feel stuck in, or if they just want to encounter more of God, they go to these um, sessions. I go to this session because I'm like, I'm just hungry for God, you know. I feel good. I feel great. I'm hungry for more of God. So we're sitting in this meeting. Oh, so funny. And, and the gal who's leading it just starts prophesying over me. And she's like, I just feel like God says this over you and that. And to be honest, like 30 minutes in, I'm like, this is so boring. <laughs> I did not come for prophetic words, you know, like I have a book of them and I love them and I value the prophetic, but I actually came to meet with God. And in my heart, I didn't know like what that encounter would look like, but I just knew I wanted more and I've been prophesied over before. It wasn't anything against her prophetic words. It was just like, I, I want to experience more. 
So, <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, like a second later after I have that thought, she starts, like she completely shifts the, the order of the meeting and she's like, I just, I just keep seeing your womb. Does that mean anything to you? I'm like, no, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. Let's keep going, you know. <laughs> she's like, I just keep seeing your womb and I don't know what that means. So she's just praying over, you know, she's like, you're just a mother for so many people. And, you know, just, you know, as we are prophesying, we try to make connections. And then when people don't give us anything, we're like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> so, so she left it at that. And then I looked at my sister, and my sister's like, you know, <laughs> doing her bouncing like, oh, it's on. You know, she's so excited. She knew this was going to happen before, before we even had the session. But I looked at her, and I was like, are we going here? for real? And she goes, you know, like, let's do this thing. So I looked at Anne, who was leading the freedom prayer, and I'm like, well, I had an abortion like 10 years ago. And she goes, okay, do you want to meet your baby? And I was like, nope, nope, I want to go. I want to get out of here. I don't want anything to do with this. I want to go. I was terrified, but Anne was so gracious. She was so sweet. She's like, let's do this thing. I'm like, okay, you know, like I need deodorant. I need, you know, we all assumed the position and got comfy and we're like, let's do this thing. Oh my gosh. So um, I'm going to share with you guys a little bit about my encounter. Is that okay? It's really vulnerable and it's actually hard to share it because part of me doesn't know how you guys are going to like hold it. It's super gentle and fragile, and it's a really intimate part of me. So, um, but I'm doing this for those of you that are going to get healed out of it. Okay. Oh, so good. Okay. So we get in the encounter instantly. As soon as she says we're going to meet your baby, and my heart says yes, I'm like, crap. All right, let's go. Close my eyes. I get down, and instantly I see Jesus holding a baby. <laughs> And it's my little son. And I did not want to look at him. I didn't want to see him. I didn't want anything to do with him. And um, I was stuck. And this is why we need people around us. Sometimes like freedom prayer things or inner healing sessions, we need people around us because sometimes we get stuck and we don't know how to get out of it. And so my sister brilliantly turned to me and said, ask God why you're going to do this. Like, why are you going to, why do you need to meet him? Why do you need to see him? And so I was like, okay, because I don't want to. I don't want anything to do with him right now. And I looked at God and I said, why am I doing this? And he said, because you're going to learn how to love better. I said, okay, crap. I want to love better. <laughs> I really want to love better. So, okay, all right, I'll do it, <laughs> you know. And so, so. Now the baby's out of Jesus' hands, and he's laying in this, I don't even know how to describe it, but he's, it's like this leaf that was like an incubator almost, and it was like the most beautiful green, dark tones, and he's laying in it, and it's like where, it's like a crib kind of, crib slash incubator, but he's laying in it, and I had a job, Holy Spirit gave me a job, and it was to put a blanket on him, and it was a blue blanket, and I was supposed to put it on him, and I was supposed to kiss him. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't do this. 
But I did it. I put the blanket on him. I kissed his little face. And what God was doing in that moment was he was restoring my connection to the baby that I had killed. Right? Because I had never seen him as a baby. I saw him as my sin. So there was no connection I wanted to make with him because sin was yucky. Right? Like, Jesus didn't even want to look at sin. God didn't want to look at sin. I didn't want to look at it. But I had to put a blanket on him to restore connection so that I could go through the rest of the encounter and experience more healing. So I put the blanket on him. I think I did like the most ugly cries you could imagine. All three of us were ugly crying. Um, Snot everywhere. Like it was, I'm glad it was just those girls in there. (laughs) It was pretty intense. So I put the blanket on him. I kissed him. And then instantly he becomes like two years old and he's in front of me. And he's grabbing my leg, and he's like, Mama, Mama, Mama. Oh, so good. Then he goes on to get a little bit older. It's kind of interesting how, like, in encounters, you just get, like, little snippets here and there. And you just kind of, none of it all makes sense, you know, but it's just like you get little bits of it here and there that together create this story. So he's, I don't know, maybe eight or so at this time, and and he runs up to me and looks at me and goes, Mom, I forgive you. Wow. I remember thinking, what? Oh, you know, <laughs> like, how could you forgive me? And he goes, I knew this day would come. Jesus told me you would come see me and that we get to hug and that we get to be together and that you get to, like, see me and experience me in my fullness. And I was just like, oh, my God. God is so good. Just not words, you know, just weeping, lots of weeping. So he forgives me. He tells me he can't wait. You know, he couldn't wait for this time that God told him it was going to happen. Oh, I know. Mama bear. So good. Mama bear. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. So then he gets a little bit older. And tells me more things like, you know, I can't wait to try your cooking. God tells me you're a really good cook. (laughs) And then Papa God's like, here, I want to show you a family photo album of your son David. So he shows me this photo album, and it's all these pictures of him. And throughout the entire encounter, I never once got this feeling that he was unwanted. I never once felt like he was unloved unworthy. Any of the thoughts that I had towards him were not the way he grew up. He always felt loved and cared for and protected. He's beautiful. So beautiful up there. Okay, so that's just a snippet of the encounter. I came out of it, um, I think it was about an hour and a half long session. But all of us, you know, we go out to the light and we're like, you can't see because our eyes are swollen huge and I think we cried for two hours straight and then all went home and kept crying it was just such an impactful moment but out of that um oh I I forgot the justice question out of that moment all of my now fears and worries of getting pregnant again or not being able to love my future children or um, any of those thoughts and doubts were gone now from this encounter. It was as if he released me to go love the next kiddos I'd be having. Which is just beautiful. Okay, so one last question that um, I asked during my encounter that was really impactful was my sister had me ask God, what does, 
what does the release of justice, heaven's justice, look like? So for those of you with mercy hearts, like you've been ministered to, I'm sure, this morning, but for the justice hearts in here, I'm going to show you what Jesus' justice looked like out of my story. So I asked, what does justice look like after, you know, going through this, after committing this sin and doing this, what does it look like for God to get glory and justice? Holy cow. So my son told me, tell people about me. That was one way I would get justice. Tell people about him. The other thing, (laughs) the other thing he said was, um, celebrate. Celebrate my life. I'm still alive. I'm still living. I'm not gone. And so what happened after that was the day of the abortion, January 12th, every year now we celebrate that day. So the first year it happened, my sister and her whole family drove up to Huntington Beach, and we went and got red balloons, 10 red balloons, one for each year of his life because it was 10 years from the date of the abortion. So we got 10 red balloons. We go to the beach, and we release the balloons, and all the kids, I mean, her, her little, their little ones, what were they, like six and eight or something at the time? They didn't fully know what was going on, but we're like, we're releasing balloons to everybody in heaven that we love, and we're celebrating their lives. And so that, and we went out to dinner and just celebrated David's life together. It was so beautiful. There wasn't, I wasn't alone anymore, right? Every year I'd been alone on January 12th, reminded of this is the day I was alone, and no longer do I have to be alone. I get to celebrate with those that I love. Oh, then the next release of justice, telling people about him. Holy cow. All of my life, for those of you that know me or don't, I have worked with children, which is pretty interesting. (laughs) I did kids ministry here for a year and a half. I was a preschool teacher. I was a nanny. I now work with placing orphaned children in homes. My whole life is now surrounded about around taking care of kids which is fascinating how God works. I would have never thought, never thought. Oh, my goodness. Um, And there are plenty of other, like, just beautiful testimonies I've been able to witness and experience as I've shared this story. Um, I've got the privilege of sharing it in France when I went recently with, maybe a year or so ago, with Pastor Chris. I shared this story with people and Multiple women that actually had abortions would come to me, and we'd pray for them, and they'd carry pain in their womb area, you know, for 20 years, because they had the abortion 20 years ago, and they had all this pain, and I told them my story, and instantly the pain would go. (laughs) It's like, what? I can't do that. So just the beauty in sharing the redemptive story of God has just led to a beautiful release of justice. Absolutely beautiful. So that is, <laughs> that is, <laughs> thanks guys. <laughs> Uh, All right, so we're going to get some more justice right now. Who's hungry for justice? Come on. Okay. I always get tears at this time. All right. If, oh, I don't even know how. Nicole, if you want to jump up here, feel free. This is not just a message for people who have had an abortion, for men who have had their children aborted. It's not anybody who has shame or guilt of 
any source, stand up. I'm going to ask you to be bold and to jump in the arena with me. We're going to go after this thing. If, you, um, if you've had another element of the story is like, gosh, my family, like they're, they're on the other end of losing someone too. So if you've lost anyone through an abortion, let's just pray. Thanks for your boldness. Feels good in the arena, huh? Hurts a little bit, but, but it's good. It's a good arena. It's safe. Super safe. Holy Spirit. God, we love you. We love your ability to redeem the ugliest, scariest of situations. We ask that your presence would just fall on all my friends who are in the arena with me. We just command any guilt, any shame, any regret. To go in Jesus' name. Oh, the tears are so healing. <laughs> Let them fall. Yeah. God, I just ask that you would meet the empty places in our hearts, that you would fill them, fill them with love. If we've lost a little one, God, give us a picture of their faces. Give us their names.
you guys need to go, you are welcome to get up and scoot on out, but we're going to stay here in this moment because Holy Spirit's moving. Those of you who have felt that sense of isolation or have allowed secrets to keep you from the arena, we just call you back (laughs) into this thing called family. And we declare that no secret of yours is scary. It's not scary. We're not afraid. But love, love gets to conquer that. that are standing, just hug them. Just give them bear hugs. Come on, no one should be alone. We're going to go after something else too because God did this for me, but he actually restored my hymen. So if you've had sex before marriage and you're not yet married and you want to feel that sense of purity again, stand up if you want to jump in the arena or stay seated. You don't have to, but God also restores hymens. (laughs) My wedding night I bled, and I'm happy to say it from the mic, but God restored that part of me too. have our prayer team. If you're on the prayer team, come forward. Um, Don't feel rushed to leave. This is what the church is for. This is what we get to do. It is a pleasure. It is a pleasure for the church to be the church. So if you do need to go, you can go. If you want prayer, our prayer team is going to come up. But I just felt a great sense of God releasing um, purity. And I saw a You know, when we've held something in for so long and then it comes out, there's like a release. And I just saw a picture of the Lord, um, like shuffling all this guilt and pain and shame and things like right out of the mouth in, in the form of crying. And I'm not like a, let's cry every time we have a meeting. That that's not me, but I felt like there was a releasing that the Lord is doing in this place. And there's several of you that didn't stand. And this is also for you. And it's not about standing to show people anything. It's about standing in faith saying, God, I'm done with this. This is not you, Lord. Like, release me of this thing. Release me of this pain. Release me of this trauma. Release me of the fear. Release me that I'm going to be punished. Release me. And so I just heard purity and releasing 
And I, I, I'm also with Natalie on the purity piece of God restoring hymens and just restoring purity back. You're, you're never too far. You've never gone too far. You've never, you've never made too, too much of a mistake. So even if there are those of you, you're like, I just want to stand in a place of purity. I just want to be an example of what it looks like, you know, First uh, Timothy 4.12, to live a life of faith and purity as an example. I also feel like you're supposed to stand just as like rooted and founded in purity to stand and allow family to come around you that you would be caught as an example and a light to the world of purity. And again, when you need to go, you go. But the church has got to be the church. And so this is what the church does. If we were sitting in Natalie's living room, we'd probably hang out in the living room a little longer. We'd linger. We'd roll around. We'd cry. We would experience what she was sharing. And so we just want to leave space. Pastor Jesse's going to just drum a little bit longer. And when you're ready to go, we ask that you take your conversations outside because God's doing stuff, okay? So please don't stay and talk. Go outside and have your conversations. And we bless you. We'll see you next week. But if you're like, I need more. I want God to, to free me. I want God to heal me. I want God to restore whatever. Then I want you to stay and come forward and get prayer from the ministry team. And there's power in bringing people with you. So if you know someone here, I want you to grab their hand and just take them with you. That you're not doing it alone. If you don't know someone, just come find me or, or Aaron or Natalie or Penny, anybody up here. And we'll, we'll go with you. Okay? Yeah. God is a really good God. He loves restoration. So we'll just continue on the service. 10, 15, 20 minutes, who knows? And when you need to go, just head on out. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.